So I saw a wrinkle in time yesterday. How is oh, it? A, I don't want to know too much. I I do want to see it. Yeah. Just give me like, a, did you did you read the book? No, I didn't get to read it. I, I mean, I still I have it. I bought it with the intention of reading it before I saw the movie, but I mm-hmm. didn't get to read it in the time. I will eventually read it. I read the book as a kid. I read. I don't remember how many were in the series. I read at least two, maybe three of them. I was planning on reading it before, but I'm having a problem reading these days, so I don't know that I'm going to get to it, but I'm wondering if it's worth reading, reading it before, before I go, or if it's just like, meh, and I don't need to... It's mm-hmm. a very pretty movie. It is very Ooh. great to look at. So, like, recommend seeing it, like, in IMAX or something? I saw it in regular 3D. You saw it in 3D? Nice. Yeah. If you see it in IMAX, but I, I suggest 3D, IMAX, or IMAX 3D, mm-hmm. just so you can get all of the, oh my gosh. Maybe I'll go see I'm trying to decide if I want to see that or Red Sparrow tomorrow. I hear it's more political than, like, action-y is what I've oh. heard, but that's not that's not really a negative or a positive. It's just kind of, like, something I've heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a something. Yeah. Oh, and I think it's... Their Oscar to lose over costumes and hair and makeup. Yeah, because holy shit, mm. it's like every five. It's like every five minutes, the three, uh, Mindy Kaling, mm-hmm. Oprah, and Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. It's like they're in a different outfit every other scene they're in, and I'm like, holy shit, goddamn. But yeah, I would mm. I would recommend going to see it. Shit, I forgot to think of a a joke to open. We should just open with the silence. Welcome to Disney Versus, where we don't do our homework. I do do my homework. <laughs> I just couldn't think of a joke. <laughs> I am pathetic and worthless. Oh, it's true. This is the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Grace. I'm Tori. And I'm Heather. <laughs> it sounds wrong when we say our names out of order. I was still in order. I was still last. <laughs> if you are new to the podcast, welcome. What we do, what we've done, what we will continue to keep doing on this show is we've taken 64 Disney and Pixar movies, we've ranked them in a March Madness style bracket, and we talk about them and eliminate them until we have a true winner. It's actually March. Woo, go March. Woo, woo. The March Madness hype is real. But obviously we care so much. Yes, sports. Sports ball. Sports, sports, Blech. sports, 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 sports. Tori cares more than we do. <laughs> Probably more than Heather and I combined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get into news. This Whoop. past Sunday, the Oscars happened. It was a thing. Yeah. And Beauty and the Beast was nominated for two Oscars, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design. It didn't win for reasons, but <laughs> Coco was nominated for Best Animated Feature and Best Original Song, and won both. Yeah! Nice. Mm. 
it was cool because uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda presented Best Original Song. Mm-hmm. He was like, Mexico in the house! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the cast of uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, who presented Best Animated Feature. It was uh, Mark Hamill, who is Luke Skywalker, duh. Lisa Marie Tran, who was Rose in The Last Jedi, and then Oscar Isaacs, who is Poe, and then BB-8. So two uh, two people of Latino descent, basically, mm-hmm. were the presenters for uh, those two awards, which Coco won. Nice. And a super significant thing about the win for Best Original Song, the song Remember Me won, and it was written by Robert Lopez, who... Previously wrote the music for Frozen. If you listen to our previous show, I was really hoping for Lin-Manuel Miranda to win last year from Moana. So he could win. He he will have won what's called an EGOT, which is you win an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Robert Lopez now has a double EGOT. And he's the first person to ever win a double EGOT. So he has two separate Emmys. Hmm. Two separate Grammys, two separate Oscars, and two separate Tonys. Because he's he won for Avenue Q. Yeah. He won he won for Avenue Q and Fred. I can't remember the other one. Uh, he has two Oscars for Coco and Frozen. He has Grammys for Avenue Q and Frozen, and then he has Emmys for two animated shows like two kid shows that he wrote music for Mm -hmm. first guy to do it super exciting congrats mr lopez yes also last week the trailer for wreck it ralph 2 the new trailer for wreck it ralph 2 came out squee something i didn't notice and something that i haven't really uh heard much about is whether or not and to how much capacity Felix and Sergeant Calhoun will be in the movie. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. For the, yeah. For those of you who don't not... know. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say they aren't shown in the trailer at all. That could mean that they're just, you know, they're just, they didn't show them in the trailer and they could still mm-hmm. be in the movie. Go watch. If you haven't watched the trailer, go watch it. It's hilarious. Then come back. Mm-hmm. If you've seen a gif of a bunny stuffing its face full of uh, pancakes, <laughs> Or so of a little funny. girl looking at a tablet and screaming, and it's zooming in really quick on her. That's where it comes from, and you should watch it because it's hilarious. Real talk, I almost went and Memes. tried to find that game just to have something to do. <laughs> stupid simple. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't look like Calhoun and Felix are in the game, or in the movie. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they're in it at all. So, I mean, maybe they're not. They have to make way for... You know, Ralph and Penelope to grow some more, introduce new characters that you find in the internet. Grace, what do you think? Because I know you just watched it. I'm excited. Yeah, um, I watched it right before we started recording, and I'm excited. It looks really funny. I'm hoping, I laughed a lot during the trailer, so I'm hoping it's not one of those instances where all of the funny parts are in the trailer. Yeah. But I don't feel like, I thought it was a good trailer in that I, I don't really know what the plot is but i have kind of a small idea and and so i'm excited to see what they do with it i trust uh disney enough to not put their funniest their funniest stuff in the trailer moving on 
a teaser for Christopher Robin came out this week. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It's cute. I like I like the concept. I love Ewan McGregor, however you say his name. Mm-hmm. That, that could be good. Yeah. I love that Haley Atwell is his wife. Haley Atwell is uh, Agent Carter from the MCU. Mm-hmm. I am kind of wondering if this movie is going to confirm that he has like that he has like hallucinations. Oh, like you know, you know that like theory that theory, yeah, theory that um, all of the toys and all the characters and stuff like that are his are like different personalities of his. Mm-hmm. Oh, that he has multiple personality disorder, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if this is gonna either confirm their suspicions or just give them more ammunition like who knows it's still like an interesting concept i think but Mm -hmm. i'm choosing to go the less psychological route and because i've (laughs) i think i said uh previously that this looks like hook but with winnie the pooh instead of peter pan and I like to throw a little bit of uh, saving Mr. Banks in there too, because of the issue of working yeah. too much, as opposed to. Um, do I mean? Do I mean That's... Mary Poppins or saving Mr. Banks? Saving Mr. Probably Banks, saving yeah. Mr. Banks. Yeah. Okay, you guys get what I mean, though, right? Because he works yeah. too much instead of you know, doing stuff with his family. Well, that's mm-hmm. actually exactly Hook. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. it's Hook. It's Mary Poppins. It's yeah. It's yeah. Okay. But, Gonna be good. Hopefully. Yeah, I say it's less psychological and just say. Like with Inside Out, Pooh was his imaginary friend growing up, and yeah, Pooh was Apparently trying to save the Apparently did not get put into the pit. <laughs> yeah. Reading all the comments on Twitter and on YouTube about how people lost their shit when uh, they heard Pooh's voice, I'm mm-hmm. glad that it's still Jim Cummings doing the voice. Yeah. But I admit that I didn't lose my shit as much as some people. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Jim Cummings as the voice of Pooh, don't get me wrong. I just think The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh holds a special place in some people's hearts the same way that, say, Lion King, because it's the number one seed in our bracket, holds a special mm-hmm. place in like our hearts. The first time they drop a trailer for uh, the live-action Lion King and mm-hmm. James Earl mm. Jones says an iconic Jones, line, yeah. I'm going to lose my shit and just become a weeby emotional mess on the floor mm-hmm. so i get i get the immense love for this that people get yeah mm-hmm. last piece of news we got and i actually want to hear uh you guys's um opinions on this hopefully we don't end up shouting at each other i don't think we'll end up shouting at each other i don't think we will there have been rumors, discussions between um, Adina Menzel, uh, Robert Lopez, and Jennifer Lee, the creative minds behind Frozen, that in Frozen 2, Elsa will have a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, because of recent events with, you know, inclusion and everything else, people are basically pro this. And then I've also read that already people are like, yeah, my child won't be seeing this. Mm-hmm. And I, I bet I, stupid. Yeah, I feel like that's a very head in the sand type of thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Head up the ass kind of thing. All up in their feelings and all up in their beliefs already before we even see a single frame of right. the movie. And I want to get you guys' uh, opinions because my official position is I am completely fine with Elsa having a girlfriend, as long as it's not a gimmick, 
and that she is actually a character outside of, hey, Elsa has a girlfriend now. She's a thing. I want her to actually be, you know, a fully fleshed out character. I want her to be important to the plot. Mm-hmm. It only makes sense to give Elsa a girlfriend if it contributes something to mm-hmm. yeah. the storyline. Just like giving Elsa a boyfriend would give, mm-hmm. like, it would need to give context to the storyline. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's, we have no context, right? We have no context for what that would be. Um, no, it's just kind of or why right now, I think. or yeah. So I think it really depends on what what the role ends up being, how important it is to the plot line, if it's important at all to the plot line. Mm-hmm. I appreciate using a stage for a political voice. I don't think a Disney movie is the place to do that. Um, but if it's if it furthers the plot in some way, if it makes it a well-rounded movie, then I'm absolutely fine with that. So. And I spoke to Heather about this. I'm not gay, but if I were, I wouldn't hold up, you know, LeFou's 2.5 second gay dance partner from Beauty and the Beast as a model of inclusion. Because he's in there for, he has literally less than a minute of screen time. Mm -hmm. And he has no personality. He's just, hey, look at this gay character. What's his name? Do either of you know his name? I don't know his name. I just know he's the one that suddenly there was a dress on him and he was the only one that didn't like scare like they didn't like run away he was just like oh you know kind of thing yeah i'm pretty sure if we went to netflix right now scrolled to the end of the movie through the credits he'd be credited as guy who wore a dress or guy who danced with lefou at the end i really think that's what he would be credited as and i don't think that's a good i don't think that's good uh representation that people are looking for it's a nice like subtle touch i guess since that wasn't really, in Beauty and the Beast's case, it wasn't that, like, super important to that storyline, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It would have been important to LeFou's storyline, which is why it was kind of, I feel like that's why it was kind of on the back burner, and it was like, oh, hey, look, like, now, now also this. Um, but with Frozen 2, yeah, I'm kind of agreeing with y'all on, she would have to be they would like that coupling would have to be important to the plot somehow, whether it's a coming out story or not, you know, like it would just like, I don't know if they really want to go that route, then I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how else to phrase things. I think it's, I think it's a great opportunity for a good character good representation and more importantly i think good storytelling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because how are you supposed to change people's minds if the story is weak i think yeah Mm -hmm. they can completely fumble this i hope they don't they can completely fumble this and just throw this character in your face and then people would just you know bury their heads in the sand further as heather would say bury their heads further up their ass and nothing Mm -hmm. would change yeah. Yeah. Because there have been, I mean, like, the problem is I can't think of a good, inclusive character that is different. Well, the only person I can think of that's different is uh, Sweet, Dr. Sweet from Atlantis. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He was the, I'm not going to say the first, I need to check my history on that, but he was a first African-American character 
major or supporting on the poster for a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And oh, the, I didn't know that. the thing with uh, Sweet was, like, if you watch Atlantis, Sweet could be any ethnicity, any color. Right. And he's just he's just a person. It doesn't make they don't make any comment on his race really, apart from you know they give his backstory that he was uh, his parents were uh, I think part Native American and he's part black because yeah. mm-hmm. they he was he was raised by I think Navajo Indians after his parents died. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Other than that. You know, there's really nothing else, and he's a major character. He's a he's one of the characters that he's the first character to follow Milo once you know the revolution starts. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I could say Princess and the Frog. I mean, there was a big deal about that, right? Yeah, so, first black princess. Yeah, and I mean, it'd be cool. I think what I was trying to say earlier was if they wanted to go that route of her being of her being gay, then they would make, need to make it more obvious, just because it is Frozen and. You know, Frozen was about Elsa and Anna, and, you know, so therefore if this one's going to be, you know, if it's going to include a love interest for Elsa, then they need to, like, they don't have to be, like, the very stereotypical gay of either, like, really flamboyant or really butch. Like, mm-hmm. they can literally just, like, hold hands, probably, like, kiss each other on the cheek or something. Like, nothing too scandalous because it's, like, fucking Disney, but... It still needs to be rated G or PG. Exactly, yeah. yeah, you know, or like they could sing a love song like to each other. Mm-hmm. It would kind of need to be that sort of interaction because then that could also help with introducing, you know, younger kids, people, whatever, to like the normalization of LGBTQIA. Mm-hmm. This is this is a very normal thing. Mm-hmm. So it'd be good to see that on screen, especially since Frozen was such a hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's why it will it will be. I think that's why people are so up in arms about it already. Because Frozen was such a hit. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was scary. <laughs> yeah. I really hope they don't fumble this, and I really that's hope terrible. it's. I really hope it's also an enjoyable movie because not only is it that, but it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. Disney doesn't have a lot of successful sequels. Mm-hmm. If you look at their track record, most of their most of their sequels have been direct to video or direct to DVD, and yeah. a lot of recent ones haven't been good. Like we just geeked out about Wreck It Ralph because it looks good. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see, see if the rumors are actually true, and then you know, see if the trailers show any potential. Honestly, I think they're gonna do it. I, That'd be cool. Yeah. It follows, you know, Elsa's whole like breaking out of her shell thing you know because she was hiding Mm -hmm. her powers for so long and then finally she was like fuck it you know so in the second one it'd be you know pretty cool if it was a coming out story she'd be like i like girls fuck it you know (laughs) yeah and i can see it the have the kingdom be the voice of like the dissenters it's like wait a minute our queen shouldn't be shouldn't have another queen (laughs) she can't Mm -hmm. procreate if she's gay (laughs) (laughs) what about the heir we oh, need an no. heir. <laughs> I mean, adoption. If we're getting into the minutia, democracy is introduced. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we're getting into minutia, like if Kristoff and Anna have a have an heir, he she would be next in line. Yeah. If Anna and Elsa, if sorry, if Elsa and girlfriend can't procreate. You're gonna say adopt. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay, let's let's move on. We will not yeah. get into the minutia of Frozen Two today. Maybe later. This week we are debating Wally versus Tarzan. I use debating with quotation marks. Yeah. <laughs> I. Can we just call it? I don't want to just call it. We should at least talk about it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to vote for Wally on this one, but I will start by talking about Tarzan. I really liked Tarzan when I was a kid. Love Phil Collins' soundtrack. I like the story. Um, I like the the characters. Not I, I like the supporting characters more than the main characters, but I think it's got good... It's got a solid storyline. I think when we're talking about... Wally, all of the characters have some either like redeeming quality or you know why they're as fucked up as they are. Mm-hmm. So even even though we're not spending that much time on developing each of the characters, like Otto, we don't get all that much character development for Otto, but we know exactly what his motive is Mm -hmm. and we know where he's coming from and why he's doing the things he's doing. And same with like, and, and part of that is that we know that every robot has a directive Mm -hmm. and so that they're operating from a place of trying to, trying to operate through their directive. And so I think that was a, whether it was intentional or not, that ends up being a really great character development tool. I'm thinking about um, not so much Wally as a character, but Otto against everybody else and like what Otto's deal is. Because you're right, everybody has a directive except Wally. Mm-hmm. Wally is the he's the chaos in all of this order, or he's the cause well, of it anyway. Well, duh. He was, which is he was hilarious because he's supposed to be cleaning up everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, he did have a directive. But he was taken out of his environment. Mm -hmm. So, like, if your directive was to do hair, and then all of a sudden you're put in a place where everyone's bald, yeah, you're not going to know what to do. You're going to go a little crazy. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. (laughs) So, I think, no, I think Wally came from a place, like, he was still cleaning up every day. He was going through his routine. He was doing his job. Mm -hmm. And then he got kind of lost in the mix. I feel like once he started having to, like, rebuild himself, Mm -hmm. I think that's probably, like, one of the turning points for, like, his personality. Because once he started having to, like, take stuff off of his, like, dead comrades and stuff, and I can see him having to... Almost cannibalize. Use resources and kind of adapt in that way. That's kind of what started expanding stuff. And then, of course, the cockroach. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's probably where the cockroach comes in. And then he's like, oh, you're cute. Let's keep you around, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where I was going with that was uh, Otto has his directive and then Eve has her directive. Because I feel like that's Wally's effect on everyone. Because when Eve first gets to the planet, she's no bullshit. She's all business. I have shit to do. I'm going to do it. And I will blow up anything and everything that gets in my way. Case in point, Wally almost got killed so many times. So <laughs> killed. Hashtag it. Mm-hmm. And after a while, she he kind of, like you guys just said, he had his routine. And 
after a while, it just, he sort of changed. And I feel like if Otto hadn't been so in control, I mean, he kind of had the prime directive to steal and and reappropriate a Star Trek term. He had the prime Mm -hmm. directive of keeping everyone in space. Because the CEO of By and Large said, hey, don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Stay away from Earth. It ain't good. So Mm -hmm. that was his directive. That was his directive, and nothing could change his mind. Because if you remember, when they get to the Axiom, the Axiom isn't on a journey, they're just sitting there. The Axiom hadn't gone anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wally, I feel like if Otto hadn't been on such a you know, straightforward, we have to do this. I have higher-ups who said, this is what I'm doing. Wally could have kind of worked on him the same way he worked on Eve, because Eve's mission was a low-level science division mission. Otto's directives were coming from Mm. the military. I'm getting Avatar vibes in my head right now Mm -hmm. as I'm explaining this. He was the general who was, it was his job to keep everyone safe. Wally is the Avatar team that we're trying to make peace with everything. I feel like that's kind of mm-hmm. where it was going. But you're basically saying if Wally had a more direct approach, like if someone was actually there to watch over him and be like, hey, this is what we, this is what actually needs to be done, then that's probably where his mind would have gone. Kind of like... You know, kind of like Otto. I think if Wally had more time is my point, because I think we leave Earth and then we get to the Axiom because space time, I don't know how long it takes Wally to get from Earth to the Axiom. But once he gets to the Axiom, I'm thinking we're on the Axiom with Wally's shenanigans for maybe a day. Let's let's go with that. A day or less. Mm -hmm. So if Wally had as much time to do all that cutesy stuff like he did with Eve that Eve sees later, mm-hmm. he probably could have made a bigger impact on Otto, and Otto wouldn't have been okay. so much of a hard ass. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wally didn't have a chance to wear him down. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember where I was going to go with that. I think I was going to ask about who told the story better. They're telling two different stories. Wally's telling Well, yeah, technically but... three. Because Wally's telling, you know, a Genesis story with repopulating the Earth. And then there's the romantic plot. Because you can, you can ignore either part and you have a good movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Tarzan, I feel like Tarzan's telling the same thing. It's a romance and then it's a journey of discovery. So mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. pick your poison with this. Let's say the romances cancel each other out. Do you want a Genesis repopulating the earth you know allegory or do you want a journey of self-discovery well and i don't think it's i don't think it's a choice of do you want this or that uh, my main thing was who told their story better i don't i don't think there's it's like quantifiable yeah like both of them did a really good job so mm-hmm. okay and i wasn't confused at any part in the storyline yeah i don't think it's it's not quantifiable okay personally i kind of think i'm not going to say better I kind of lean towards Tarzan's because Tarzan's is very, it's more liminal than subliminal because you, mm-hmm. you, it's possible to miss. Do you just say liminal? Yes. Like subliminal. That's not a word. Yeah, it is. 
No, it's not. There's liminal, there's subliminal, there's liminal, and there's superliminal. Are you are you serious? Like take sub out of subliminal. Liminal, relating to a transitional or initial stage of the process. Oh my god. I still don't think you're using it properly. Okay, uh, let's go with context versus subtext. How about that? <laughs> Tarzan's story is more contextual and Wally's story is more subtextual, mm-hmm. which means it's like Wally's, the, the message of Wally is kind of under the surface, like the whole, you know, take care of the earth, keep the earth green, don't litter, that stuff. It's kind of underneath the surface. Yeah. This is where we're it's headed. One, it's one story in a broader story. And yes, yes. Tarzan is its own story. That Tarzan's journey of self-discovery, I think, is contextual because it's kind of Tarzan's, like, it's it's his story arc within the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's status quo. Tarzan is, or he thinks, he's an ape because that's the way he's been raised all his life. He's mm-hmm. been raised around mm-hmm. apes. He's been raised in the jungle. Challenge to the status quo is, hey, these humans that look like me come into the jungle, mm-hmm. cause some ruckus, they mess some stuff up, necks are broken, Kerchak gets shot, spoilers, new status quo, Jane and Professor Porter now live in the jungle with Tarzan, who now knows that he is not an ape, he is a human. It's a, and then along the way, Tarzan's like, wait, why do these people look like me? I thought I was an ape, all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And then he falls in love. I feel like Tarzan's two stories are married better than Wally's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Wally's kind of has a more, I think, a deeper message, kind of. Mm-hmm. Somebody please change the subject. <laughs> We haven't talked about, do we want to talk about Clayton as a villain or anything? Because we talked about Otto. In the, in the notes, I have Clayton and Sabor. We can talk about them briefly. The reason I put that down is because I briefly tried to watch Tarzan with uh, the commentary. Mm-hmm. And the DVD that I got from the, sorry, the Blu-ray I got from the library fucked up. So it wouldn't let me watch the whole thing. So I, no. I Googled it. And tried to read through the commentary, like the, the bullet points of the commentary. And something that I noticed that they, I think they talked about, is that the two primary villains, Clayton and Sabor, have the same color palette. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I didn't realize that until those points. Yeah. And the reason they wanted to do that is to show the threat to Tarzan in animal form and the form that in the in the world that he knows. Mm-hmm. is equal to and parallel to the threat that Tarzan doesn't know from the world outside. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool parallel to to draw through color scheme. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm thinking of lime green because that's kind of been like one of the consistent like, that's a villain, you know, colors. I don't think there's lime green. I don't think there's lime it's green. Not. It's yellow. No. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like it's... yellow and... And kind of like yellow reddish, and right? yeah, yellow, black, and probably some red. Yeah, there's some brown too because Clayton's hair is brown. Sabor's spots are brown. Uh, Clayton's neckerchief ascot thingy is red. Mm-hmm. Sabor's tongue is red, and then there's the right. yellow mm-hmm. and the black of accents and clothing, and then yeah. uh, 
spots on the accent of spots on Sabor. It's a really good uh, parallel that they did with that. That's pretty cool. Sound, Grace. I know you're the big audiophile of the fo- of the three of us. I was about to say the mm-hmm. four of us. Why are there four of us? <laughs> Grace is the audiophile of the three of us. I. To be honest, it's been a minute since I've watched Tarzan. I have watched Wally recently. Wally was what made me get into sound in the first place. It's what made me want to be a foley artist. That part of my life has long since passed, but um, you can still do it. Not like I'm good. For me, what stands out in Tarzan is the soundtrack, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. both with and without Phil Collins, the, the songs and the the actual soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, for Wally, it has a a fantastic soundtrack but what's impactful is how these sounds personify every robot every robot has its own set of sounds um Mm -hmm. and we go the first 20 minutes or so without any english language aside from one ad from bnl and i think that's and and no one's wiser no one realizes that um that this whole story is being told without English language, and I think that's that's great storytelling. That's the best. Mm-hmm. That's just such a great display of storytelling. And I think if you can tell a story without language, then that's like a good testament to you have a solid, you have a solid story. Yeah, I I love the sound. I love the Foley and Wally. I think from a soundtrack perspective, I would probably choose Tarzan, but from a fully from a sound design perspective, I would I would choose Wally. Something else that uh, I think Wally doesn't get enough credit on is its use of Hello Dolly. And yes. I don't know how much I talked about this previously. Uh, go watch Hello Dolly. It's a very decent, it's a very good musical. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there, but um, the songs, I think the two songs that they choose from uh, that they choose to use from Wally really helps his character because the first song that you hear is it's the first sound that you hear in the movie really is put on your Sunday clothes. And the lyrics mm-hmm. that they choose is of the two main characters wanting to get out of their the town that they live in and it mm-hmm. it illustrates that Wally Wally's character is kind of wanting something more. We talked about earlier that he he has a directive that he does dutifully. He does it every mm-hmm. day without complaint really. He could have mm-hmm. stopped and done something else long time ago, but he keeps compacting trash. But in mm-hmm. between in between that he looks up at the sky, listens to That's All Love's About, and he wants something else. He wants something mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit heavy-handed, but I still think mm-hmm. it works because you could you could have kind of you could have done that without the uh, the use of those songs. I think it's a nice little touch for the story, and it's a nice little touch for Wally's character. Wally likes musicals. Why does Wally like musicals? Because just like me, when I drive to work, I listen to certain playlists that I love. Mm -hmm. 
And it kind of gets me through the day. What do I do when I come home? I listen to certain playlists that help me relax. And sometimes right. I think about empathizing with the characters that are singing. I, I, I did appreciate mm-hmm. that. Once I did see Hello, Dolly, and thought about what does this have to do with Wally, I did appreciate their use of it. Also, can confirm, it's not on Netflix. Well, damn. I know. Well, I can't really choose between score because I love the ambience of Wally's score and everything I just said about what the songs do for it and uh, the atmosphere that Tarzan's bring too. The score for Wally, you know, I'm going to revisit that because now that I'm thinking about it, like each song creates a new world or feeling like mm-hmm. and is and a lot of it's really playful like and like the complete epic song when wally is leaving earth when he's hanging on to the spaceship mm-hmm. when the spaceship comes down it's already really epic and then like you feel the tension and how like crazy this is that he's hanging on to the side of the ship yeah and how intense that feeling is just from the music. And the way that tension releases once he's in mm-hmm. space. Because that tension gives way to Wally's wonder of, I'm off out of my, like, this isn't my yeah. world anymore. This mm-hmm. is something completely new. And it's yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Also the tension of gravity versus no gravity. That too. Yeah, I was going to say I really like the soundtrack in Wally because it helps with the whole show not tell. Because, you know, they can't really, like, speak. You know, they're all, like, beep boops and eee That's kind of all they get, you know, at least mm-hmm. at least the majority of them, you know. So the music in Wally really helps set whatever mood they need to help with the whole show-not-tell thing. You don't really get dialogue for a good, what, 40 minutes? 45 minutes until you meet the captain? Yeah, some. Uh, no, because there's some, I think I clocked in, it's like 22 minutes. Um, mm. Or something like that. I don't remember because you get you get some songs. You get the Hello Dolly, but mm-hmm. when they the first people talking are when he gets onto the ship and he bumps into what John mm-hmm. John when he starts yeah. turning people blue, and then going to Tarzan soundtrack and stuff. It helps you know tell the story obviously with Phil Collins singing and stuff like that, but with the pieces that don't have any lyrics or anything. It I really like their use of uh, different types of drums and stuff to kind mm-hmm. of like help represent that they are not in America. They you know, like <laughs> like they're in a Wait, jungle, they're not you in know. So, yeah. In in jungles you don't hear electric guitars and synthesizers really. So, you know, they tried to <laughs> not sound super 80s like rock and all that because apparently that's where my head just went. So, something that I thought was interesting, an interesting question to ask is which of these films do you think would be better to watch in 3D? Because both of these movies fall into my new criteria for I must see this in 3D. Wally is set in space. Tarzan is set in the jungle. Most of the time, if you see this movie in 3D and it's one of those, it should be a treat. I hardly ever see anything in 3D. Like, I can't remember the last time I did. Actually, you know what? It was Interstellar. Ooh. See? Which was phenomenal. Was that in space? Later. <laughs> um, and I remember I went to see it regular. Like, I, I went to see it 
in regular 2D and then after, like saw it a week later in 3D because it was so good. And I think it, was, it wasn't quite IMAX, but it was a larger screen too. Mm. I think you're dead on with the movies that deserve to be in 3D are places that are environments that are not our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything in space, uh, Nemo is one that I thought was really good in 3D. Mm-hmm. And I, it, the 3D element doesn't add to the plot at all. It doesn't, you know, it's just a really beautiful way to see the movie. Right. Um, so things underwater, but things like I wouldn't necessarily see Rescuers Down Under in 3D. I wouldn't necessarily right. see... Mouse Detective. Um, yeah. Those aren't things... Um, Hang on. Rescuers Down Under, I might see in 3D because of that opening scene with the boy and the eagle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where he's going really fast. I was thinking about that. I was like, he's going to call me on this because there's that one scene that's like really fast and really intense. But... Any of the flying scenes would look great in 3D, but other than that, you're right. I would yeah. I would agree with you. I, I think both of these would lend themselves very well. I would... I would probably say, I want to say Wally, but I think Tarzan would probably be better because it's a more extended. It, you risk being gimmicky. Like the the parts of Wally that would be amazing in 3D are the space parts. Like when he's and in like, space. Mm-hmm. When he's actually in space. And like the dancing scene doesn't need any gimmick. It I, I think it would almost take away from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Tarzan for that one. Oh man, Devil's Advocate. For uh, the dancing scene, okay, keep the mm. background, like when they're zipping through the engines, keep that regular. Make Wally mm. and Eve the 3D element that's like coming at, See, coming out at you. Like that's, that's what I imagine and I just don't think, I almost don't want anything distracting from it. I don't want anything to be called attention to the fact that they're in space because for me, it's not that they're in space. It's that they're dancing together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my thing, um, what I've really liked about the 3D use lately has it's it's just added more depth versus like having stuff mm-hmm. come at you. And I agree with Grace. I think, and I guess also Tori. I don't know. I know with Tarzan, there's no, it's a. Okay, you can just agree with me. Okay, I I agree with only Grace. I think it can add. <laughs> it can with Tarzan. You can add so much depth because they are in the jungle and there's just so much to play with, and they're never really confined. But with Wally, it would, you know, you could add depth to when he's on Earth and it looks really shitty, you know, because uh, apparently we're terrible and we're killing the world. And then also <laughs> like while he's like actually in space, space, and not like on the ship, but. I think where it would where it would fall flat is when he is on the ship and like at first maybe like when he like first gets there first sees like maybe like the big like if there was like a a visual of of like the big open view of all of it maybe that could be the 3D depth but other than that like all of his interactions with the humans and stuff like that it's like me like you can't really do much about that unless unless you do gimmicky stuff which is it coming towards you versus away. I actually do agree with both of you that uh, Tarzan might be the better uh, experience because, uh, for one, it was designed like the way they used deep canvas to all the backgrounds were 3D anyway. All they would have to do is take that and just like like deepen the backgrounds Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then just have, you know, the characters moving against the background even more. we talk about Finding Nemo, and I do agree with you that uh, Finding Nemo would 
is a good uh, 3D experience. They just don't make movies underwater like that, like completely underwater the way Finding Nemo is. Tarzan mm-hmm. does have a couple of underwater sequences, and it has rain. And if you watch the Discovery Channel or the Nature Channel, the way uh, particles in the air look when mm-hmm. uh, you're in the jungle brief tangent i'm thinking about getting a 4k tv eventually and the only things that i'll watch on it are cooking shows and the nature channel i have a 4k tv now and i basically watch netflix and cooking shows mm-hmm. see <laughs> yeah you'd be able to see the like the the individual like dust particles in the air and i feel like it wouldn't be the gimmick but that would be what you would feel like was coming at you that would be the thing mm-hmm. that's floating inside of your vision. And then and then you would have the characters operating underneath that. And then you mm-hmm. would have the deep, deeper background mm-hmm. that the characters are moving against. And I feel like that would be a super... Because you're in the jungle the entire time, except when you're on that ship for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. That would be your... Uh, that would be a more wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Man, I want them to remaster uh, Tarzan in 3D. Please, mm-hmm. just just take some of the money that Black Panther's making and just do that. Hmm. Please. <laughs> okay, are we ready? Uh, I think I am. Me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you go first, Tori. Do I have to go first? Yes. Because you always make me go first. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Don't whine. (laughs) (laughs) Run the check. Check check the check. I saved our invisible producer that's off camera. I think because of storytelling and the the wonder of this movie, I think I'm going to go with Wally. It's one of Pixar's best. People didn't say that at the time. They say it now. And I think the uh, the sound, the use of song, um, the imagery and the allegory and the story, I think it's, despite Tarzan being a better experience, 2D or otherwise, I think Wally's a better movie. And that's ultimately what we're talking about in this bracket. I forgot about that. Wally didn't do particularly well, did it? Uh, let me check box office right quick. Um, well, Tori's checking on box office numbers for Wally. I Wally is also my pick. Um, it's one of my favorite Pixar movies. It is near and dear to me because of how it got me interested into sound, and I'm certainly thankful for those memories. And I, it's such, it's a beautiful, it's a love story, and it's social commentary, and it's visually stimulating. It's, it's a wonderfully told story. So it it wins for me. Cool. Heather, go ahead. What would your pick be? I honestly didn't have one, so I was really hoping that y'all were going to agree. Because <laughs> 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 even though I'm, even though I got really tired of Wally back in high school and stuff, like talking about it and like now and like thinking about it the way that we are now, you know, I'm like, okay, I can really appreciate it. But also, never mm. really growing tired of Tarzan, you know, I was like, eh, like, so I was really hoping that y'all mm. were going to agree. <laughs> yeah. Looking at box office numbers and uh, critical acclaim, 
Wally Wally has a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Tarzan has an eighty eight, which is weird because people don't love Tarzan. They say it was like they say that the Renaissance kind of like Felt it wild. got worse as it went along. Mm. And with Tarzan mm-hmm. being the end of it, I would think that people didn't like it as much. Yeah. And then as far as money yeah. goes, Wally made about maybe about thirty million dollars sorry, about forty million dollars more than Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And that's according to Box Office Mojo. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by uh like dovetailed hunchback has a 74 on Rotten Tomatoes. Mulan has an 86. Hercules has an 83. So I guess people just don't like Hunchback. Mm-hmm. Or Pocahontas. Yeah. Pocahontas has a 56. Wow. So, yeah, there's that. Alright, moving on to round four is Wally. Woo! Grace, what do you got for Drunken Disney? Um, so we're going to do Tarzan because we've already done a Drunken Disney for Wally. Mm-hmm. So for Tarzan, drink at any time a song begins. Drink anytime Tarzan imitates something, whether he's, I'd say if it's a like overt imitation of a gorilla or when he imitates the rifle sound, mm-hmm. something like that. And then anytime. Or as a child when he tries to be a leopard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or anytime anyone says Tarzan. Yeah. All right. I love it. Yeah. Gonna get drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It'll get you drunk. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to plug now. You can find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney versus and on Twitter at Disney VS. I've admittedly sucked at Twittering as of late (laughs) as well as far Mm -hmm. as the podcast goes. I'm trying to do better with that. So if you listen to us and have a Twitter, feel free to follow. It mm-hmm. gives me encouragement to do better and post more things. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please give us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. You can also follow us on Google Play Music where you can give us... 14.185 robots. Out of 13. Out of 10? <laughs> or out of 10. I like that one better. Out of 7? Okay. <laughs> Miss all the robots. <laughs> Thank you for listening, as always. And we will uh, see you guys next episode. Bye! Bye! Bye.